Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we forget that it's all a work. There was a lot of AEW to watch this week. Yeah, I'd actually have a couple news items I came across I wouldn't mind covering first. Then let's get right into the news. (laughs) The first piece was early in the week where it was going over uh, WWE, especially with WrestleMania, and how they were handling the facility for that. Like not just getting people in and out as quick as possible, but going over how they were replacing canvas and ropes and turnbuckles between matches. Mm-hmm. anything that would see high contact and disaffecting right. everything so like that's a really good optimistic note to hear that all of that was in mind for this giant two night event that they filmed in a week yeah no and like the fact that the precautions that they're taking are common sense precautions that like you know we give wwe a lot of shit mm-hmm. but at the same time they kind of also know that they're nothing without their performers and especially with the performers that get sh- that get to wrestle at WrestleMania. Yep. Like, you know, those are your top of the company kind of people unless it's one of those show up once at WrestleMania then get fired kind of <laughs> deals cuz those happen too. Yeah, th- no, that happens more often than you think actually. Now, I know what culture has made like six videos about it. Yep. <laughs> the second piece was Something I picked up, I think it was Wednesday night, Mm -hmm. that was reporting on Jake Roberts, actually. Okay. And how he is currently self-quarantining in a hotel room. Mm -hmm. And he's got like another three or four weeks to go on that. And he's been doing that since the dark episode where he showed up. So basically, he was housing with Diamond Dallas Page before that. But because there's like a newborn in the house. Right. He was told like, if you go to the AEW show, you can't come back here. So he decided to do the show, which we all appreciate immensely, but it's now stuck in a hotel room by himself. Which sucks. Yeah. He, he's reporting that he's okay, and he's sober, and he's been keeping in contact with people. Right. No, um, Lance Archer specifically has tweeted that he's in, he has daily calls with Jake yeah. Roberts to just, like, kind of, like, in a sense, be his, like, you know, his sponsor in a to a degree, but also, like, just, like... Hey, you know, I care about you. We work together. I want you to be healthy because you working with me makes me look way better. Me working oh, with yeah. you looks good for both of us. Lance is a good bean, despite literally murdering Marco Stunt last week. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. But yeah, no. I-, I just wanted to get those couple points out because I found them particularly interesting this week. There's the other news item that came out today. Oh, which one's that? I think I know what it is, but I want you to tell me. That one is the Revival getting released. Finally! They have finally let the Revival free. (laughs) So, like, all of the wrestling Twitterverse is a titter. Yep. With the discussion of where will the Revival go? Now, did you see the one little caveat to that story? No. Is that, I think it's their no-compete clause runs out on a Thursday. (sighs) that is <laughs> it's just one last little fuck you that's 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 that company yep so we're all really looking forward to that we all kind of have a feeling they're going to end up in AEW. it's a company that spends a lot of time focused on their tag division yep. and has some of the best in the world right it would make sense for a tag team that's you know been favorably compared to Telly Blanchard and Arn Anderson <laughs> to end up at the place that has Telly Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Possibly, maybe getting managed by Telly Blanchard and Arn Anderson. <laughs> it would be pretty cool. Revival Four Horsemen or whatever. Yep. Yeah, no, like there's some good tweets for uh, 
Brace Ramsberg tweets, can't explain it, but I suddenly have an urge to study revival matches. Oh, goodness, yeah. I saw that one earlier. I love Brace. Can we just talk about his Twitter handle real quick? It's at Debrace is right. Yep. That's a shirt he used to sell, actually. That checks out. <laughs> uh, Bryce has also said some, I know we just talked about a still life with apricots and pears. Did we talk about them during the WrestleMania special? Yep. I kind of broke into them during WrestleMania, so we took some time away from WWE there. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Chikara for a bit. <laughs> so definitely go back and listen to that. Yeah, you should absolutely listen to that episode. I know it sucks we didn't get to stream it, but it was a fun episode. Bryce has also tweeted some really wonderful things about that. Yes. And how, like, monumental it is for a out non-binary performer to be the, you know, to be holding a title belt. I definitely ordered a uh, Still Life with Apricots and Pears shirt the other day. It's worth the buy. Yep. Uh, I thought about it, and then I ordered a new camera lens. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> JR said, uh, I hope they consider AEW. I sure as hell like to call some of their matches. They remind me a lot of the old Midnight Express. They just don't have a Jim Cornette in their corner right now. And for the love of God, I hope they don't get Jim Cornette. <laughs> if they can get someone of that managing caliber in the 80s, sure. But uh, let's keep Jim Cornette out. I don't think he's going to AEW anytime soon anyway. There's already one too many really racist guys in. Oof. Oof. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> we'll move on. <laughs> okay. You want to start where we usually do? Yeah, I just want to point out a couple more things. Okay. Real quick, while we're still on the subject of the revival. Um, they tweeted, it's a deleted tweet, but like, it's a tweet from a while back where it was like, one day we'll have a match with the Young Bucks and it'll be amazing. That will be, yeah. Things to look forward to. And also, Randy Orton just tweeted FTRKO. <laughs> Randy Orton's a troll. I assume as much. I don't want Randy Orton in AEW anyway. Like, he's the guy who took a picture of himself in front of a sign that just happened to say Elite on it to get himself a better contract negotiation. I honestly don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. He's pretty much a WWE guy through and through. Yeah, no. Once a, he's, he's, he's a company man. There's no questions about that. Yep. Anyway, let's move on to our usual subject matter. Starting with Being the Elite. Being the, the Elite this week had a very nice cold open with Peter Avalon taking an Uber to the Young Bucks compound to call Brandon Cutler a loser to his face. <laughs> Um, to call him a loser, laugh at him, point and laugh like Nelson, and then ask him to tag together so that they can try to string together a win. Because <laughs> my losing Juju and your losing Juju will cancel each other out. And <laughs> oh, so yeah, they actually did have a match. Yeah, they had this week's uh, BTE had two matches. Yeah, it was basically AEW Dark West Coast Edition. Yeah, no, and they had very familiar looking cameramen for both matches. <laughs> actually, that's that's a point I actually have written down here. Which was? Uh, SCU and the Young Books taking turns running camera. Mm -hmm. It goes back a little bit to the uh, Cody interview on AEW Unrestricted, mm -hmm. where he said they are most interested in guys who want to know more than just the in-ring of the business. Right, and that's the sort of thing that, like, I don't know, for me, that's a big draw of AEW, is that, like, it's clear that the guys who, guys being a neutral term in this case, but the people who work for the company yeah. want to be involved in more than just what they do in the ring. That's why so many of them have other titles and stuff like that, other things that they do outside of just in-ring work. That's why, like, you know, Aubrey is a full-time employee doing so many different things for that company, <laughs> but also is one of their best, I'm just going to say, it's the best ref. De yep. Easily the best ref. I'm sorry, Bryce, but Aubrey has that title now. Bryce is up there. Aubrey has, Aubrey has best ref title. Bryce has funniest ref title. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. 
like it, the, you don't work Chikara for as long as Bryce Remsburg has done. Let me take Bryce Remsburg's name again. You don't work Chikara for as long as Bryce Remsburg has and not understand how weird and comedic wrestling can be entertaining. And how to like properly put it through. Right. I mean, like only someone like Bryce would be able to ref we come back i come back to it so often but the match between the invisible man and invisible stan yeah and that's exactly it though because anyone can ref quote unquote a match with no competitors it takes someone special to ref a match with no competitors and make you understand what's happening and make it look good and put it over yep and i keep going back to this with um with AEW, like the staff they have, they have Kenny Omega who can have matches with inanimate objects. Right. They have Chris Jericho who can cut promos on inanimate objects. They have Bryce Remberg who can match wrestling matches that have no competitors. Mm -hmm. That's the level of talent this company has. It was at this time we had some internet difficulties with the stream. So unfortunately, we have to cut short our praise of the AEW refs, and really, refs in general, who helped this whole sport go along. We're going to jump right into AEW Dark now. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we have a match between Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler versus Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian with the Young Bucks working camera. <laughs> What a setup. And Excalibur on commentary. I assume Excalibur recorded commentary, you know, after he was probably given the footage and said, here, Mark, work with yeah, this. Yeah, of course. But like, it's really good to hear Excalibur again, because I miss him. Absolutely. I, I just, I do want to clarify that I wasn't calling Excalibur a Mark. His first name is Mark. <laughs> I mean, He's probably also a bit of a mark, but he gets to be smart about it, too. He gets to be a smark. <laughs> I set that right up for you, didn't I? You did! You absolutely did! Erin specifically has said that she hates the term smark and wants me to stop saying it. So I'm saying it every opportunity <laughs> I can. What do you hate about that term? It doesn't make any sense. Because when you're talking about Marks, like, you're talking about the people in the audience who are watching the show who paid to be in there. When you're thinking of, like, a smart, you're usually thinking of the people in the back who are running the show and got paid to be there. So a smart Mark is kind of a contradiction there. I don't know. To, to, like, to me, a, a, smart, a, a smart Mark, a smart, is the kind of person who knows... Like, who kind of has an idea of, like, the, not even the ins and outs of wrestling, but just, like, the, kind of, like, the, it's hard to describe, um, like, there's someone who's aware enough of what's going on to kind of make educated guesses as to how creative is working with things. And Excalibur, by that definition, can't be a smart Because <laughs> he's the one writing the stuff. <laughs> I know. Okay. On to the match. So we had like a seven minute match. It was kind of squash heavy, as you expect from Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. <laughs> it, it, a little bit, but it was actually, it, it was good. Like, it, it wasn't either of their best. No, I did enjoy the chemistry they had together, though, of going in and screwing up each other's moves and momentum and stuff. And the, the finish was actually pretty fun. <laughs> yes. Because... The, the way that they did the finish is they kind of got mixed up as to who the legal man was. So just each member of SCU pinned one of them. <laughs> one of these is legal. <laughs> and they both pop up. Well, I didn't lose. You, you lost. Rick Knox kind of just points at both of them and said, you're both losers. Mm -hmm. It was very funny. Um, our next segment is also very funny. We get luchasaurus doing a mopey snoopy routine <laughs> wandering around whatever town and he somehow ends up at tara valkyrie's house at five in the morning yeah so he's at taya valkyrie's house and says he wants to see him now i assume 
the he in question is Taya Valkyrie's husband, John Morrison. I would think so, but that'd be a little bit hard to do on the show. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a little hard to get a WWE guy to show up on Being the Elite. Not to say it won't happen. I mean, they got a person, Taya Valkyrie's from Impact. Like, it's not to say it. In a universe where people realize that different wrestling companies doing different things is good for wrestling as a whole, rather than trying to squash every other wrestling company out there because it's a threat to your billions. And because you hate the territories for some reason. That's going back 30 years, don't worry. <laughs> I know. No, I know. And so yeah, it's... Ugh. Anyway, we've been going on for this, going on about this for a little too long. We should probably keep moving. So after Luchasaurus, we have an SCU skit where we get to see Scorpio Sky again for the first time in forever. Mm -hmm. And he's getting pulled over by a couple cops who want him to know that he's nowhere near as good as Christopher Daniels and Kazarian. The cops being very obviously Christopher Daniels and Kazarian. <laughs> <laughs> they try to get a bribe out of him. And he threatens to call his uncle, who's been with LAPD for 35 years, to just further proof that ACAB, especially when SCU are cops. I forget what Kazarian said, but there's like a split second where Scorpio Sky is like almost ready to laugh at him. It's like... It, it was very good. It's when he says, I'm going to ignore that one. But I can't remember what was said before right now. But he almost laughed at that one. <laughs> So, <laughs> our next segment is Kenny Omega at the Dynamite taping, giving a brief update on his hand. Well, you know, like, you know, I wrestled without the cast. I'm doing all right. Things are going good. Yeah. I appreciate that we're being at an undisclosed location, so he doesn't show up. And then who shows up but Colt Cabana? I, I double-checked that list. <laughs> he shouldn't be here. And then they have a Looney Tunes. No, this was more of a Scooby-Doo chase. I got Benny Hill out of it because of the music. It sounded like a little knockoff Benny Hill tune. <laughs> a little bit, but there was definitely like Scooby-Doo elements where like, I, I don't know. I've Okay, so full disclosure, I know Benny Hill from the context of Yakety Sax, but I've never actually watched Benny Hill. That's fair. So I don't know if like the changing costumes and everything like that was part of Benny Hill's yeah, whole it, chase routine. It kind of just shows up everywhere anyway, so you can really <laughs> reference whoever you want. It was it was very good. I'm enjoying the Looney Tunes segments a lot. I, I like the part where uh, Kenny and Colt were replaced by Marco Stunt and Tony Schiavone for a bit. <laughs> that was very funny. <laughs> oh god, that was such a good little segment. And then it all grinds to a halt when a pupper shows up. And they they both spent time petting the little dog. It's a little good boy. I think that's Marco Stunt's dog. Yeah, that's what I've been told over Twitter. Because I asked um, during the Dynamite show as well. Mm -hmm. So pretty sure it is. In which case, Marco, you have an adorable dog and I want to pet it. <laughs> which dog do you want, Marco? The one as big as me, sir. <laughs> That's half of them. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> after that, we have um, our second match of the evening. Young Bucks versus Team High Risk. Lo who are billed as local jobbers. Yeah, we had Justin Roberts doing intros for this one, too. And mm -hmm. he almost forgot their names. They're like, a couple local jobbers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's playing to the smarks. Let's be real. <laughs> God damn it. I'm going to have to learn how to Aaron, ignore I these. I don't like the term because you're one. We're both, we, like, you don't have a, I, I don't know. I, we'll move <laughs> on. The match was definitely, it was like a six, it's six minute match. Yep. Team High Risk gets some good looks in because Nick is still very ring rusty. Yeah, he's at like 60% recovered or something. And they kind of took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. The Young Bucks end up winning. Matt tells Nick they probably should have won quicker. Yep. Like, if Nick was 100%, they would have. Nick says, yeah, I'm not really 100%. I think I'll be ready when I can do the move. And Matt's like, someone would die if you did that. 
It's like, no, we're not doing that. So I'm assuming they're working on a new move during the downtime and will come out with something like fucking really spectacular looking once this is all done. <laughs> Probably. We then get a little vignette of Kazarian meeting Team High Risk after their match. They argue about who's supposed to be racking weights and everything like that. And then they 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 set a uh, they specifically set a squash match <laughs> for next week on being the elite. And Christopher Downs a little bit worried about it. like he's like I haven't been a squash match since Beyond the Mat. <laughs> <laughs> so good shout out to that old documentary. That's <laughs> very funny. I'm excited to see them do a bit more like AEW Dark West Coast Bucks Compound Edition. Yep, I really do appreciate this. It's good. Uh, so, now, on to the actual episode of Dark. <laughs> AEW Dark East Coast Edition. So we get um, QT Appleman versus Lee Johnson. Who is one of his students, I believe. Yes. Yeah, because this is taking place at QT's gym. So, free exposure for his students. Why not? Which is great. No, I'm not going to complain about that. I'd like to see them get a little bit better of a look, but, like... You know, it depends who's ready and who isn't. Yeah. Cody likes to make fun of QT Marshall's hair implants a lot. Yeah, he was kind of brutal on them this week. <laughs> like, a lot. Every time QT Marshall has a match, Cody points out the hair implants. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't let up. No, he really doesn't. So this, actually, this was a fun dark because we got three different guys on uh, commentary along with Tony. Yep. So we got Cody for the first match. We got was it was it Taz and Excalibur for the next match or was it? Oh, uh, I th was Taz the last one. I can't remember now. No, Jimmy Havoc was the last. Oh one. right, because he was talking about Kip. So yeah, Taz was the second match. So that was that was the so yeah no the but the first match was you know like a solid shortish match. This was a very short episode of yeah, Dark. it was like 20, 25 minutes or something like that. So we got a pretty short match you know more momentum for qt marshall picking up the win but like i don't know i guess you work with the guys you have at the moment mm -hmm. and since he's one of the guys that they have you gotta give him a little bit of a push because who else is gonna win yeah you're not gonna give it to the student jobber over his own teacher no. that, that would be a terrible move so yeah we get a our next match is even shorter Yet also somehow longer. <laughs> yep. So the next match was Wardlow versus Ryan Piles. MJF at ringside. Did MJF even get off the apron? No. No, I didn't think so. MJF also told them when to ring the bell. <laughs> That's true. Yep. So we got the match with Wardlow coming out in a full suit, like a full three-piece suit, and slowly undressing in the ring. Down to just his pants. So he still had pants on. He wasn't wearing, like... Like, when he had the match with Cody, he had the singlet. He wasn't wearing that under his clothes. He just went down to bare, bare chest and pantalones. No complaints. Some complaints. Once MJF tells him to ring the bell, Wardlow walks up to the guy, hits an F10, and then the match is over. Yay! <laughs> So I, I think we should put out here that his opponent's name was Ryan Piles. So <laughs> if you want to go look up something longer, maybe. <laughs> I'm sure not all of his matches are 10 seconds. No. Well, we'll look up. You know what? Let's fucking do it right now. We're going to do this live. So apparently he's got a merch store. That's a good start. Let's, let's, let's stalk his Twitter and see if he's posted any matches. I don't know. He actually... I don't know. He seems kind of all in. Uh, forgive the. <laughs> He's retweeting a lot of AEW. Hey, if you've been on one show, might as well keep your hopes up. You might. Yeah, I mean, like, give him another shot so he can actually have a match. I mean, supposedly they have a month of stuff filmed, so there's a chance he'll get on again. Good chance. Speaking of your things, I thought up a mixed tag team named MC and Mike Drop named Hands Up. Not the worst name from producer Aitsu. Not the worst name. Speaking <laughs> of names. Oh no. Before we get into Kip Sabian versus Tony Donati, 
Let's talk about wrestling gimmicks that Kat has come up with in the last week. Welcome to our new segment. Uh, Kat makes up wrestling names for indie gimmicks like Sexy Tricky T did that one time. <laughs> in that group chat he had with like him, McGup, Trent, and Orange Cassidy back when they were still in the indies. It's a really unwieldy segment name. Speaking of unwieldy names, uh, I'm just going to run down this list. We've got Melanie Biscuits Butterfield, who has a finishing move called the Gravy Maker. Uh, Rebecca the Brisket Hoffman. Yiff Jackson. Bare Knuckle Betty the Butch Robinson. Addison Three Knuckle or Laramie. Gina the Peanut Carter. Cabbage Patch Carol Breckenridge. <laughs> She's just playing Switch. <laughs> Austin the Baby Jenkins. Spud Funklin, Polly, Natural 20, Hedral, Blue Ball Buck Tatum, Mac, All Beef McDonald, Ada Cloth, Essential Worker. Essential Worker's gimmick is that they're a jobber and they show up every single week and get squashed every single week. <laughs> the Influencer, tag team trio called The Warm Ups that's comprised of Zip, Zap, and Zop, all with two Ps. And then Aaron came up with one. Jessica the Bestica Carestica. Hold on, I'm not quite done here. So that was... <laughs> that was... That was the segment where I came up with wrestling gimmicks this week. <laughs> but up, but... Uh, and I've gotten to hear all of those this week. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept sending Aaron different wrestling gimmicks and they were all bad like some of these are so bad yiff jackson <laughs> the, he comes out in a fursuit but also the young bucks tassily pants is it just a, a young bucks furry cosplay it's just it's just the young bucks long lost brother who's also a furry <laughs> But like a really horny furry. Wait, they they aren't all that? <laughs> there are some. There are definitely ace furries. Out okay. There. I'd also like to note that Spud Funklin is the name of uh, some of my friend's cat. And she's a very sweet little kitten. But they named her Spud Funklin because it's a good name. That's fair. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So we have one more match. With Tony and Jimmy Havoc on commentary, and it's Kip Sabian versus Tony Donati with Penelope Ford at ringside. Now, I'm going to say this right now. I do love watching Kip Sabian wrestle. I think I like uh, Jimmy Havoc on commentary even more, <laughs> especially when he's on commentary talking about Kip Sabian. The amount of homoeroticism in that match, because Jimmy Havoc... Was Jimmy so was thirsty. thirsty for Kip. <laughs> and you know what? Jimmy Havoc, if you'd like to come on the podcast, we can talk about Kip Sabian's ass for an entire hour. <laughs> I think he was the first subject of uh, booty moments with Kat. Possibly. So we'll, we'll, we'll go into that segment real quick. Kip Sabian's gone up from whatever I gave him to like a ten and a half. <laughs> That's fair. Just yeah. because apparently he walks around him and Jimmy Havoc's shared flat without clothes on. So Jimmy Havoc gets to see a lot of him and he doesn't complain because Kip is a very pretty man. Now, do you remember? I think it was Fighter Fest where Kip had that uh, pre show match and the one fan was like heckling him. I don't remember that. So he kind of like got a little bit close and, and uh, blew a smooch at him. Mm -hmm. I do remember Jimmy Havoc on Twitter afterwards saying he was jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know what, Jimmy Havoc, you're allowed to come on the podcast at any point to talk about which wrestlers you find hot, <laughs> because I'm sure we'll agree. Probably. You know, like, more Jimmy Havoc being thirsty for the other guys on the roster. That's what I want from wrestling. I won't complain about that. So the match... Do we, do we need to talk about the match? Or do we just want to talk about how gorgeous Kip Sabian is? <laughs> I mean, the match was good. 
that the match was very good actually yeah so yeah no like it like it was a very good again like it, this one felt you know pretty technical there was still obviously some you know underhandedness from kip sabian because you know that's what he he and penelope before do yeah it kind of solidifies what to expect when that you see his match for the tournament mm -hmm. although i'm wondering if because it's going to be a tournament they rem they like say no one at ringside uh they didn't say no to brandy being at ringside and she historically gets involved fair has cody wrestled kip sapien yes i thought so has he actually maybe I'm sure at some point he has. I can't remember the exact date, but I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah, they haven't. Arn Anderson was working with him at the time. Okay. It was back in January. Was that on the cruise? No. Okay. Maybe? Maybe? Hold on, I'm gonna... <laughs> I'm just gonna do everything live tonight. What are notes? I just thought of this. Why would I have notes on it? I know, and my notes are not prepared for this either. I don't think it was on the cruise. Uh, Aitsu says before the cruise, they believe. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Is this why we have a producer? Yep. <laughs> Keeps us honest. So, yeah, no, it was a fun match. Tanati had, like, a good look there, but obviously with things being the way they are, you want the guy who's about to go into a tournament to go over. Yeah, definitely. My thought is that I think they need to for enhancement matches drop the penelope ford interference angle because this was an enhancement match he shouldn't need to cheat to win this you know like that's my thing is like save it for the big matches and it you know instead of just cheating every chance you get yeah it's just me anyway mid-roll time let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby we have mid-roll music Aaron. do we, we made it that one time mid-roll mid-roll Everybody's talking about the mid-roll, mid-roll, mid-roll. It is really gay. I'm hoping tomorrow that we will be live right here, same bat time, same bat channel, streaming a game of Star Wars RPG. It'll be a one-shot that's going to be GM'd by Kira, and it'll be myself, Emma, Hannah, and Erica, who is in chat as Belsass. And we're going to be doing some star wars horror so i'll need aftercare afterwards Ooh. keep an eye out for more sosis media products and we'll keep you up to date on twitter in the meantime back to the show we all went to the lobby <laughs> all right so aew dynamite for this week just started right at the gate with another jake roberts promo yep He's kind of saying the same things he he has been for the past few weeks. It's a lot of like, you know, basically like, watch out for Lance Archer, he'll murder you. That's why they call him the Murder Hawk. Yep, really putting his guy over. Yeah, don't step in front of a train. Don't get in the ring with Lance Archer. The results are all the same. You're done. So we have Jericho on commentary this week. Yes, because. Tony Giovanni can't be left alone, really. And Cody had a big match coming up, so they brought out Jericho. Understandably. Yeah, they wanted someone else to... They wanted someone for Tony to work off of, because that's where he's definitely best. Right. And Jericho's a good guy to work off of. Oh, yeah. And Jericho put over everyone on this show in his own way. Mm -hmm. In his own, I've got a fork in my trunks sort of way. <laughs> Yeah, like, he's Jericho, so he's not going to be, like, singing praises to the babyface or anything. But he, the, the way he's talking about the people, just, it does put them over. Yes. Now, Jericho knows how to hype people up. Yeah. So, our first match of the evening. Aaron, would you like to go through the entire sequence of this match? Because we have the time. <laughs> it was only a minute and 30 seconds. Uh, so, we have Lance Archer versus Alan Eagleson, I think it was. Alan Angles. It doesn't matter. He's dead. Rest in peace. I don't even. I didn't even write down the whole thing. I just got in. Yeah, Alan got a couple kicks in, took an overhead choke slam, and a blackout. <laughs> so 
Lance Archer murders a man. It was pretty cool. So our next match is Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker. So this match, Shida versus Britt Baker, had a lot of blood. Yeah. But... Which is how you know they're changing out the canvas and shit like that every single match. Because it's not showing up on the next one. Yeah, about halfway through the match, it looked like Britt might have gotten caught by a botched Enzigiri. See, like, I I don't know. Like, I watched that Enzi, and it really looked like it hit her in the fucking stomach. Yeah, I don't know. She was, like, bending weird or something. I don't know. But that's where I first noticed it coming. So it's like, that's my thought. I was like, it's gotta be from that, right? Or it's just a very dry environment in there because they have the dehumidifiers running. Probably. <laughs> that's That would also be fair. But yeah, she bled a lot for a good chunk of this match. Yeah, it was... She looked deranged. <laughs> That's also her new, new shirt design. Mm-hmm. They threw that one up this morning. Uh, Jericho had a good comment there where... Saying that uh, Britt Baker went from Ace Freely to Gene Simmons during the match. It was a very good comment. And then uh, Tony tried to put that over by mentioning the Kiss Demon. Yep. <laughs> We, we don't want to talk about the kiss demon tony <laughs> but we do we do because it's the greatest greatest really dumb gimmick ever cat i watched the kiss demon get revealed it was not good <laughs> i know that's why i love it you love it because i hate it so much no you forget that i am one of those people who lives her life steeped in layers upon layers of irony <laughs> where like the iron is so like the upper echelons of irony work when they blend seamlessly with sincerity and i sincerely enjoyed that because it's it's like bad on another <laughs> level it's like david arquette being the champion uh uh Thank you for reminding me of that. From that old podcast we did. <laughs> oh, uh, we're never going to get RJ on this podcast. We can still try. No, I wouldn't want to. We just won't mention the other podcast we did for a week. This is a much easier format. <laughs> yeah, we're not completely piggybacking off someone else's work. We're piggybacking off a lot of people's work. Yeah, no, This match was actually very fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I appreciate Britt Baker observing proper protocol by asking the ref for the glove before she locked it. Before she went for the lockjaw, yeah. It did end up costing her that, that setup, and she got a two out of it. Which, like, at the same time, she's a she's a doctor. She knows if you've got blood out, you need to not stick that blood in someone else's mouth. <laughs> it's definitely preferred normal safety protocols you know because there are a lot of bloodborne diseases yeah. Britt baker goes for another bite the ropes curb stomp to try to knock out sheeta's teeth sheeta counters that one yeah you just counter it with a uh by actually getting underneath her and dumping her outside mm-hmm. but i think that's something AEW has to look into because if she's going to be doing that and intentionally hurting people's mouths that's a conflict of interest that's true because she's attentive yeah this is just feeding into her practice in wherever the fuck florida yeah this is just putting money into her own pocket by hurting people Mm -hmm. so we we can't have that no not in the upstanding sport of wrestling where everything is real (laughs) no but this was this was a very good like i enjoyed how hard-hitting the match was i like that she does on a roll the way she is 10 weeks as the number one contender it's kind of hard to challenge for a title belt when that person is quarantined. Yeah, but still, being 10 weeks as the number one contender, like, that goes back quite a while. So she's, that's really impressive. I'd like to see Natalie get more ring time before, but, like... Oh, of course, yeah. Shit's fucking everything. Nothing makes sense anymore. So who knows how the belt situation works out. It's one of those things where when they're allowed more leeway with this stuff like they kind of have to kick it back up into gear and get things 
making sense again. Yeah, right now, stuff is just kind of doing what it's doing. They're in a holding pattern, mm-hmm. and it's tough to maintain a holding pattern for months at a time. Yep. That's the thing with, like, because it's narrative, and if you don't advance the narrative in some ways, you're stuck. Which is why it's good that they have the new belt tournament, because that lets them have another narrative. Put a pause on the inner circle versus the elite for a little bit, because, you know, most of them aren't able to perform right now. Yeah, most of them aren't even able to get out to the show right now. Exactly. So, it works out. Yep. Um, I think this was Britt Baker's best match in AEW so far. Easily, yep. So, I'm looking forward to her continuing to improve her in-ring work and her out-of-ring promo cutting, because she could be, like, I, I think she's got, like, good, like, long-running heel potential. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the the promo she cut, like, later on in the show, where she still got the blood and everything, like, that was great. Agreed. So, yeah, no, that was good. Um, We have a segment where Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa argue with the best friends about who's better friends. <laughs> well, who gets the name of the best friends? Right, and then... Chucky T and Trent. Who are apparently listening in. <laughs> put the name The Best Friends on the line for this week. Like, whomever wins. And that is such a Chucky T move. It really is. Like, <laughs> you're gonna kick my friend in the dick like that? <laughs> that line will never stop being funny. I mean, there was a time where Chucky T lost his name. That's true. That's where he was like... He was Dustin for a while. (laughs) He had to pull up a lot. He went through a lot of names. (laughs) We're going to go through some of these because they were good. That's also... He's billed himself as being from Raccoon City before. Yeah. Benny Fig. Bug Nevins. This is How We Do It. Karate Durling. Mr. Azerbaijan. Rick Beanbag. Rich Hardwood Mahogany. Scoot Tatum. Stewie Scrivens. Touch Phillips and Trent Beretta. Because <laughs> he lost the name to Trent. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. Also, I'd like to note that there there was Scoot Tatum merch. <laughs> was there really? And it was just yes, it was plain white t-shirts that he scrawled Scoot Tatum on in Sharpie. Oh goodness. So <laughs> like I need to scour eBay now. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. We get a rankings breakdown. Dark Order, Sheeta, and Hager are all number one. Yep. As is expected. There's the big video package for next week's Moxley versus Hager match for the Empty Arena title match. I think it sets the stage very well for the match. Uh, we got a glimpse of Hager's wife and Hager's coach. Clips of them preparing. Uh, yeah, Hager's wife specifically saying that uh, if he doesn't win, he doesn't come home. So, like, are they getting a divorce after this? She's going to marry Dustin. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Ugh. <laughs> I just remember that <laughs> whole part. It's like, ugh. No, it's still creepy. No, that's such a, that's a very WWE storyline. Yeah. Interestingly, no comments from Moxley's wife. Yeah, funny how that works. I mean, <laughs> they can get John on the other show, but they can't get Renee on this one. Right, like, that's, it's very, so for those of you who don't watch, uh, what's, what's the fucking talk show that they have with- Backstage. Yeah, if you don't watch Backstage, uh, Moxley brought the dog in and went boo on camera and scared Renee in the middle of a live fucking record. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was so good. I, I love that man. It, it's so good. That they are so both aware of how bulletproof Renee is in that company, that they can just do shit like that. Mm-hmm. It was and like, I mean, like backstage technically isn't a dub. It's like they're affiliated with the WWE, but they're technically a Fox producer. Yeah, that's how CM Punk gets on a lot without actually technically being employed by the WWE. Yep. Anyway, so we get. Hype package about the TNT tournament. Cody and Spears comment on like their history together and the chairman incident and all that stuff. And like, it's good setting the stage. Yeah. But more importantly, we get our very, very important match best friends versus best friends. 
probably the best match on the night if i'm gonna be I agree. completely honest best friends versus best friends enter the friender dome <laughs> and during all of this sean spears is out there trying to recruit michael nakazawa it looks like yeah it's interesting because didn't he didn't he tag with nakazawa though i don't know i think maybe he did i can't remember it was on a dark we probably covered it before <laughs> almost assuredly because no he walks out after he takes the oil to the eyes right or no brandon cutler takes the oil to the eyes yeah so he had a match against him anyway no because cutler would have gotten a win in that we'll we'll figure it out later it doesn't matter what matters is this match yeah it's a very good match like the best friends can work i know they're like kind of a little bit comedic but they work now, the thing is that uh, Omega and Nakazawa were a tag team before, mm -hmm. so they already have that chemistry going for them. And then you've got Trent and Chucky e. T, who are veterans of just tag team wrestling, and you've got Chucky e. T, who's a comedy genius. Chucky e. T is a comedy genius. And this is just the match we needed to see. I didn't stop laughing the whole way through. It was so much fun. I also appreciate that when they have Orange Cassidy at ringside, he, like, basically doesn't interfere. Yeah, until they're, like, all spread out, and then he rolls into the ring and does something silly. Mm -hmm. Like, get baby oil in the eyes, but not really, because he had glasses on. Mm -hmm. And then Nakazawa will take the glasses, but he has a second pair. <laughs> okay, let's, let's have our Orange Cassidy moments for the week. <laughs> I watched a match, and I sent it to you. I don't know if you caught it. I think you did. It was Chikara versus Beyond Wrestling. Yes. And Orange Cassidy versus Blank, who was accompanied to the ring by Still Life with Apricots and Pears. Yep. Before the match starts, there's a whole segment where Blank is using Still Life to create art, kinetic art, by posing them and things like that. And... It's like very elegant and everyone applauds and everything like that. And then Orange Cassidy jumps into the middle of the ring with his sunglasses on, hands in pockets. Hey, post me up, baby. <laughs> and that goes really well for a while until he takes the glasses off Orange Cassidy. Yes, it was a very, very fun match. Like... And puts yeah no it's uh, like they they start to they have like a very good match oh yeah right? it's wonderful and then at one point while still life is interfering with the match there's like back and forth orange cassidy goes it's time for the canadian destroyer misses the canadian destroyer because <laughs> it's orange cassidy <laughs> then still life comes in to interfere but orange cassidy manipulates still life into performing the canadian destroyer for him <laughs> Oh gosh, it was very funny. I it 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 was a match that worked on so many levels and was like like it was a good wrestling match, but it was also performance art, and I appreciate that. Yep, I think the best friends versus best friends match enter the Friender Dome was also where um, Jericho talks about how he keeps a fork in his tr trunks. Uh yeah, he's talking about like uh, doing like all the the dastardly deeds in any way to win a match he's like yeah i keep a right. bunch because he's also talking he also talks about how michael nakazawa keeps the baby oil in his trunks yep. so it's like well what do you keep in your trunks uh jericho's like yeah he says a fork among other things and then says i'll cut a bitch with a fork <laughs> yeah, he lives off like a fork brass knuckles baby powder <laughs> it's, it, it's this minute long segment of him just doing this which is very Jericho. It's so good. <laughs> no, but like the the match was exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, it was very lighthearted, but uh, very technically sound. Got to see a lot right. of Omega and Nakazawa's old tag team moves and commentary mm -hmm. trying to figure out what they're called. <laughs> Which was like fun. the miniskirt police. Got... <laughs> <laughs> we also got um, the the Venom arm. Yeah, the Venom arm that uh, accidentally hit Kenny. It like best friends go over and retain their title as best friends. Um, it was a good it, like it's the kind of lighthearted match that you need. Yes, in weird times like this, and I appreciated it. And after the match, the all five of them got into the ring and had a big best friends hug. Mm -hmm. It was very adorable. 
I approve. We also had, after that, Brody Lee meeting with his minions. Two of them get run down for not dressing properly. Because mm-hmm. get your act together. You're here to deliver success. You're here to deliver the promise of making lives extraordinary. And if you don't look good, how are you going to make lives extraordinary? If you look like you just came from the gym, you know, whatever. I don't care where you're going. You should look good when you get there and look good when you leave. Very Vince McMahon stuff. Exactly Vince McMahon stuff. Because this was a story years ago where it became company policy that all wrestlers had to be seen in public in, like, formal attire. So that's a thing in hockey. And, like, I don't actually mind that as, like, a, you know, like, for, like, to and from matches, they're expected to be in a suit. Yeah. Like, arriving at the ring, or not arriving at the ring, but arriving at the arena, you know, you want to look good. Like, fucking around at home, going out to a bar, whatever. But, like, I don't think it's that unreasonable to expect people to show up looking good before the match. The only issue I see with it is because you push the idea of the character so much Mm -hmm. that the clothing and the style of the people wearing it becomes a part of that as well. Okay, that's fair. So, like, if you were to have some, like stone cold steve austin walk into an airport in a three-piece suit it breaks that illusion for an industry completely based on illusion okay yeah no no i i follow that i feel like in uh companies that try to present it more as you know like have more realism to it where it's more sports than entertainment which like aew posited itself as being yes at the beginning obviously we you know, things change as the company evolves and everything like that. But having people show up in suits makes it do- makes it feel a bit sportier rather than entertaining. <laughs> entertaining? Entertaining. <laughs> entertaining. Okay, I gotcha. Oh, yeah, no, I definitely see your point. It's whatever. It's not actually, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna whine about it. Yeah, no, it's just one of those minor things. Like... Like my beef last week where people were using each other's real names. It kind of just takes that illusion that's built up and throws it away. Right. Which, like, we commented on that during the um, Boneyard match. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Because they used real names. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's weird. It's like, I- I'm not here to see Mark Calloway. I'm here to see The Undertaker. Right. So we get, like, a couple more video packages. We get that Britt Baker... Uh, promo where she says she's lucky she didn't touch my teeth but if she did it'd be okay because i'm a dentist <laughs> and then she like runs away still covered in blood yes we get a video promo from matt hardy where he mocks jericho for hot tubbing in leather pants <laughs> rightfully so yes what i would argue is probably less justifiable he calls sammy a fraud latino yeah that's a lot coming from a white guy. Even even if his like I I know Matt Hardy's wife is Puerto Rican, but it's I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it, it seems like a little bit of a low blow. It, it seems like an unnecessary, unnecessary one, and it's it seems like something a heel would say rather than a yeah yeah. Like that was my big issue with that promo. It's like don't if someone is a child of immigrants or a child of a child of immigrants and they have lost their like grandparents you know language because it just wasn't taught to them that's not their fault it's not a thing you should make fun of them for like that's not a thing that you call them out for you don't you don't question their ethnicity because they happen to be third generation and they didn't learn the language that their grandparents spoke primarily this one bugs me a bit because my dad's generation all speaks german fluently my grandparents speak german fluently and kind of every once in a while forget to speak in english and go back to german now that they're very old and no one no no like grandchild in my family was taught german so we had to like kind of pick up what we could on our own eventually yeah it was frustrating and like i'm upset about that but so yeah no i that was my that was Matt Hardy being a hole of the ass. Yeah. And like the rest of this promo was really good. It's a shame that it has that 
spot on it from from that one comment right that was the one like i think that's not to i mean i guess we may as well do what's my beef at this point because that's my beef yep go right ahead but no like that that's something that did actually like sit very wrong with me and i for an otherwise really wonderful episode kind of like really like left a sour taste in my mouth mm-hmm. anyway that's my beef Aaron, what's your beef i don't really have a beef coming out of this week i was going to use mine for a big shout out actually okay so i actually have a shout out i'd like to make to like the production staffs of these shows because mm-hmm. with the lowered in-ring work they are really picking up the ball here like the extra video packages that have to be done mm-hmm. up doing two full cinematic matches over at wwe AEW has been putting up so many promos it's amazing mm-hmm. and their extra work like with unrestricted with justin roberts new show with bte it's like all of this is coming out on time and expertly done right and i'm just super appreciative of that it's a lot of hard work and it's good work and like production staff never gets the credit they deserve yeah like we edit the episodes of this show and it'll take us four or five hours to do but that's like which we talked about at the top of the yeah. show so but that's very little compared to full video packages with probably six different sources of video going through yeah we're editing two audio sources and it takes a while it's like you know it, it's it's a lot of hard work and i appreciate them for what they yep. do but yeah basically matt hardy cuts promos against the entirety of the inner circle of producer Aitsu's beef this week is Mr. Brody Lee. Please, you don't need to pretend to be Vince. It was cute the first week, but now it's getting a little stale, which I agree with. Yeah. He also, we might get a, um, a cinematic match. Yes. Cause he calls out Jericho for the elite deletion, which could be very interesting. If you want to one-up WWE on what they did this past weekend, that's the two you put together to do it, definitely. There's no one else I could think of in AEW who would be able to put something like that together. So I have an inverse beef, and I know we talked about it in the other episode, but I do want to mention it again because it's something that is stuck in my mind, and it is how much credit Cena deserves for the Firefly Funhouse match. Yes. Not just for how well he performed in it, but for the fact that it's guaranteed that that match would not, could not happen. No one else in the company has Vince's ear the same way that Cena does. Like, even Roman Reigns is not quite as much of a company man as John Cena is. And no one could sell that match as a concept to Vince other than John Cena. Yeah, that's above and beyond to put out probably the best wrestling product this year. <laughs> it's it's hard because that's like that's an all time great like mm-hmm. wrestling product. I would hesitate to call it a match. I still stand by it. Had a beginning, middle, and end. It told the story. <laughs> but the bell never rang. <laughs> I'm sure if I go back, the bell probably rings when Cena's coming out. Um, because like, so I don't know. This is my thing. Like, I struggle with the with calling it match of the year. Because we already had that incredible tag match. The, the six-star tag match? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you're going to get two different ways of going about that when it comes down to it. Because the Firefly Funhouse is not going to be given a star review. No, it, it, there's no way no, to it, give it's it a It's an edited review. product, not live like the tag match was. So It's also like, it's an edited product. It's also like... I still struggle with the idea of calling it a match. <laughs> I know. I know you insist that it is, mm-hmm. but it was more like, I don't know. That's like calling Twin Peaks The Return a TV show versus a cinematic experience. And this felt much more like an experience. It was the best. It, it was one of the best wrestling products that I got to experience, but I just find it hard to like, compare it to a regular match in terms of citing match of the year moment of the year probably the firefly funhouse event yeah the the moment of the year is probably a better distinction for it right because it had it it definitely hit a lot and it hit it well Mm -hmm. 
it's just I wouldn't use the word match to describe. I wouldn't call it match of the year because there wasn't a lot of wrestling in it. We should probably move on. Uh, just before we do real quick during that promo, I did really enjoy when Matt Hardy got to, oh, I'm sorry, when Damascus got to Proud and Powerful and called them Loud and Devourable <laughs> because he loves Puerto Rican food. Mm-hmm. And they're both Puerto Rican. I, I thought that one was very funny. No, it was very funny. It, it, that's why, like, the rest of it felt very... The rest of it felt oddly placed in juxtaposition to the, you know, economics. Yeah. Also, Vanguard 1 lit a t-shirt on fire. <laughs> that shirt is straight fire. <laughs> what do you mean it's fire? It's a dumpster fire. Oh, you weren't kidding. Yes. Oh, a literal dumpster fire. <laughs> uh, so, okay, we've got two more matches to cover. <laughs> I mean, one's kind of a match. We've got the Battle of the Lees. Brody Lee versus Lee Johnson. Uh, Lee Johnson tries to attack. Brody Lee shows us exactly why Santana Tomikos are effective. When you're six foot eight. He hits a really sick German. Oh, yeah. And then just removes Lee Johnson's head with a rolling lariat and finishes it in a buck 25. <laughs> yeah, this is the one where Marco came up with the pupper. Mm-hmm. And... Marco was like up in Brody Lee's face a little bit. It's like it... he really wasn't though. Like Brody just kind of stopped in front of him and stared him down, and he just kind of looked awkward. <laughs> like, yes, hello, hi, I'm Marco Stunt. I'm fun size. Would you like this candy, <laughs> little boy? Jump into my arms. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh. So then we get. It's weird to call it a quarterfinal because it's the first round of the tournament. Yeah, it, it technically Cody is. But... Cody versus Sean Spears with Brandy at ringside. So for this match, I didn't take notes for the first half of it because I was just enthralled watching a really good wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Like, I still think that the best friend off, or Enter the Friender Dome, that's what I was calling yeah. it. Uh, I think Enter the Friender Dome was... A, was a more entertaining match for the night, but this was very Yeah, good. this was a very technical match to end the night on. Like, it's nice to see Cody being Cody still. Yeah. It's nice to see Sean Spears get a real look, because, like, he's been floundering around with the find Sean Spears the partner gimmick. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. He's keeping busy, but he's, he's just kind of holding pattern with everyone else. Right. I like that he got a better look here though yeah he looked amazing like it was like we get like barricades propped up against the ring cody gets thrown into the barricade which is surprising i i figured spears was gonna go into it after he set it up yeah you know it's chekhov's barry barricade um, I, I like jericho noting that he didn't know that the guardrails came undone <laughs> so he's gonna have to try that sometime <laughs> that was very funny no it was it was it was good it got what it needed done yep it got a lot of hype for this tournament behind it right cody goes through a table it's it's another cody gets the shit kicked out of him and still manages a win it, it's a cody match very much yeah but spears is another one of those guys where he plays very well into kicking the shit out of people because mm -hmm. he's a big intimidating guy even against other wrestlers mm -hmm. so yeah no it like it was it was good. Cody going over, I think, is where we get to the angle of because there's no way now at this point with Cody going over that Cody doesn't make it to the finals against Lance Archer. I mean, my bracket still had Cody going over this match and not winning against Sammy next in that'll be a while actually. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I, I think this is the perfect excuse to have caesar versus the murder hawk i mean yeah the, it, it would be a very compelling way to do it I, I i just don't like the idea of anyone walking into a company and immediately having a title shot you know i mean he's had two matches now where he proves that he's better than whatever aew can throw at him at the moment which was marco stunt and a, a jobber, jobber. Building his credentials, I know they I'd are. like to see him wrestle a roster guy next week. 
like when uh, between you know whenever he's not having his tournament match let him wrestle a roster guy yeah and like have a roster guy that isn't marco stunt yeah and like he's at least got to have a match against colt in the tournament so maybe that'll change my mind on how things go i think it, or, yep. yeah no, th- this match had good intensity it played on their history well and you know brings up both of them want the, both of them want that strap on <laughs> God damn it. I thought I was going to make it through the episode. (laughs) Aaron's never living that one down. I promise you. (laughs) It will come up every single episode. The strap-up will come up. Which reminds me, I have to edit that episode so that people understand (laughs) the context of Sammy's (laughs) strap-on. Otherwise, it's just me making jokes about a thing Aaron said that was only ever on the live broadcast. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I had a lot of work to do this week and on photo shoots, so I apologize for not getting that it, It's been a long week, we know. Yeah, there's there's been a lot this yeah. week. So, so the finish of Cody versus Spears. Right, well, you gotta talk about the finish. Is something I don't think I've seen before, actually was Cody gets a figure four in and Spears actually gets pinned during it. Like, I've seen a lot of a lot of submissions where guys will be on their back and they'll get one, two, but they always roll out. So when he got three mm-hmm. out of that, I was really surprised. Do you think that was the intended finish? I definitely do. Okay. Yeah. I think it was really just them throwing something in that hasn't been seen in forever, probably, because mm-hmm. I'm sure Cody knows six times that it happened in the 70s. <laughs> And he'll list them all next week. (laughs) Of course, while he's back on commentary, he'll go through and be like, well, it's this time, this time, this time, this time, and this time. It was only Anderson this one time. And (laughs) it's like, okay, Cody, thanks. Anyway, that was a good episode. Yeah, that was really what I think a lot of us needed to see this week. Mm -hmm. It wasn't overly heavy. It pushed a few things up that really needed to and it got a tournament started it worked i've got to go pour one out for the working man and by that i mean i've got beers in the fridge and it's friday night so with that in mind you've all been lovely we'll end the show with our usual sign off of be gay do crimes bang Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Start recording. Okay. Okay, we've got the recording going. We're going to pour one out for the working manhausen. Gosh, I at least wait till after the show before I start drinking. I drink during the show, Eric. I know you do. <laughs> Sometimes a little bit more than I should. Anyway, there are two philosophies to work.